I just needed a beat to recover from Get Fast Bent. That was really good. Welcome to season six, where we're phoning it in. You don't think critically and then put a Pop-Tart into your body. I am highly caffeinated and minorly concussed. Aruga, aruga. What came first, the love sack or the gravity gun? It's my turn to do a sin with Sonic. This is for the freaks. <laughs> Too much piss. That's the kind of bad decisions we like to hear about. Let me a sleepy ass bat. How much shrimp can you fit in your mortal body? You told me you guys would be cool. That's season six intro material right there. Hello, and welcome to Debate This, the show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong. In this show, we take time out of our busy adult lives to talk about comic books, video games, and how if DT exclamation point HQ had an art department, I would treat them with the utmost kindness and respect. You wouldn't, you wouldn't make them turn shovels into weapons of war for profit? Man, so I think one of the worst crimes that I've ever seen committed is the crime against the art department in this show. Just like the way the art department is abused throughout the show we're talking about today, Mm -hmm. I think is done in a satirical way to be like, this is how a lot of people treat their employees. But like, man, it's real bad. It's real, real bad. And it got me thinking today as somebody who ordered stickers on a sticker mule sale and thought I should design a new debate this sticker and two minutes later decided I should reorder the same stickers we've used before. (laughs) (laughs) I would be nice to my art department if we had one. This reference was lost on me entirely, but having worked in the entertainment field, um, the art department gets the worst end of every deal. Our painter for every show would come in at 11 o'clock at night and that's when his day would start because he couldn't paint get paint fumes everywhere with like actors doing their thing so he yeah he'd come in at 11 he'd crank some some kind of metal in his headphones and just paint all night and that sucked (laughs) it's a different kind of coder like really though yep Mm -hmm. it's it's a it's just a it's a it's a coder with steel-toed boots. Yep. Well, speaking of coders with steel-toed boots, actually <laughs> specifically coders without steel-toed boots, we are doing another flavor text today. What hey, was that segue? That was an incredible segue. <laughs> what happened? You know, if you say words in the correct rhythm, it doesn't yep. so much matter what the words he's are. He's right. Yep. And you're not wrong. You just need the right cadence. You something, got it. Something he's right, but he's out of line. Something, something. <laughs> They they hated him because he told the truth. Why are you booing me? You know I'm right. <laughs> there we we got him. We got them all, guys. Thank you, everyone. Well done. Congratulations. Anyway, today we are doing another flavor text, and this flavor text was commissioned by a friend of the show who is not in our Discord, so I do not have a Discord name for them, but their name is Deb, and they are very kind and good friends of ours, and have commissioned this flavor text on Apple TV show Mythic Quest. So I have spent the last 72 hours power binging Mythic Quest because I am bad at time management, but I did watch all of Mythic Quest and I am very excited to talk to you guys about it today. Matt, I want to clarify, you did not spend 72 hours straight 
watching this show. You binged the show within the last 72 hours. There's not yes, 72 hours of, of content to consume. I did not. No, there are okay. 15 hours of content. I fit those 15 hours in in the last 72, which honestly, when you say it that way, makes 15 hours feel like a lot less percentage mm-hmm. of 72 hours than yeah. it really is. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, sleep and work and uh, and, no. and life um, fill up other parts of the, yeah. that time. That's I mean, that's that's how I binged one piece. The issue was it was still like that 15 hours, but each episode was like seven minutes. <laughs> so, yeah, same. I, I feel you. So that's what I've been doing. But if what you would like to do is make me or one of the other four of us do this for another property. Hey, you can commission your own flavor text at patreon.com slash debate this cast. If you've never heard a flavor text before on this feed, it's where we break down and basically do a book report on a topic of your choosing. And like I said, today we are talking about Apple TV's Mythic Quest. And by we, I mean me and my good buddies, Andrew Allegorical Henderson, Todd Fanciful Thomas, and Kyle Imaginary Harper. Now, Matt, Todd. are these just synonyms for mythical? You got it! Yeah. Nice. Yeah, thanks. We did that, that, everyone. That and none of us are he- actually here. We're all voices inside Matt's head. <laughs> Fair. Uh, fanciful voices. Fanciful, fanciful voices. allegorical voices. <laughs> yeah, I was having a hard time coming up with a good nickname. I mean, like, like I said... I've watched this show in the last three days, which means I wrote these show notes in the last eight hours and I didn't have a lot of steam left to come up with nicknames, but I thought synonyms for mythical was pretty good. So actually it was synonyms for mythic. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, guys, let me turn the mic over to y'all. What do you know about mythic quest? I had you watch the equivalence of a trailer and 90 seconds of press junket footage before this episode so beyond that what do you know i until 12 hours ago thought that this was the D show with dan Harmon. so oh, <laughs> oh no that's that, Harmon quest that that is Harmon quest and not mythic quest thank you todd um so the answer to that was i knew that there was a show that starring rob mcelaney about a video game company that was on apple tv and okay i until an hour ago didn't have any idea what this was and kind of assumed it was an actual play podcast slash stream um just created by dan Harmon. yeah not not (laughs) created by dan Harmon. i did know the distinction there but i thought it was like um the like the one with matt mercer but not that one critical role yeah, Mercer Quest. It, yeah, yeah. Mercer Quest. Thought it was Mercer <laughs> Quest. Um, and then I watched the stuff Matt posted. I was like, "Oh, this is on Apple TV and has Rob McElhaney in it." Learned two That's things different. today. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I did know this was a show. That's good. Um, yeah. So we we pay for Apple TV. I can show off. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Get, get dumb in this dons, economy, Mon- money bags over here. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> 
I'm just constantly renewing free trials, so it's fine. Yeah. It's like when you'd get those AOL uh, 90 day discs. I'm yeah. just burning those. It's it, Todd1 at gmail.com. Todd2 <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> you got it. Um, yeah, so I did know this exists, and uh, it had kind of been on my list for a while, and I'd just totally forgotten about it. And um, I did watch some of it in preparation for today. And spoiler alert, it's kind of everyone's shit. Like, if you. Sure. It knocks on the door of It's Always Sunny without being quite as absurd. Um, it trades some of the flat-out absurdity for a video game office setting. Absolutely, yeah. If you like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, it does not matter if you know anything about video games, you will like this show. Can if, I ask a question before we get started, Matt? Please. Will you be answering the question on um, what a shovel's TTP is? I will talk about TTP of okay, shovel. Good. Yes. What? Yeah. Um, um, what did you know going in before the, before going in this, Matt? About as much as Todd, but I hadn't watched okay. any of it. So yeah, because you're I, another Apple Apple TV boy, right? I am. Yeah. Well, I've watched Ted Lasso, and here's where I'm going to put my first. This is my first piece of advice to you guys on this podcast mm -hmm. and listeners. You can pay for Apple TV with iTunes gift cards. So. Yeah. The estranged aunt who sends you $10 every Christmas, you've got about a month, text her, tell her you want an iTunes gift card. The first mistake is thinking my aunt can text, but go yeah, on. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> you, need I a, have, you need a fact checker there. I can Facebook message my aunt. I that's Okay, have, that's fair. <laughs> I have tried to get iTunes gift cards for the last five Christmases, and I, I can't. Can't get a single one, because I'm... I'm all Apple. Everything, every com computation device in my home, except my PlayStation, is an Apple device. So I. You said computation device? He sure I did. He said what he said. Yeah. That is an insane sentence. <laughs> I mean, it's more than it's more than my computer and my laptop. I mean, laptop. I get what you're saying, but like, <laughs> oh wow, okay, sorry. But all his devices are eyes. You get it. <laughs> if I sure. I think if I tried, I probably have a free trial somewhere in one of those devices because Apple does that, too. But, yeah, I can't yeah. I can't get iTunes gift cards for for beans. Well, and I'll tell you this, too. Uh, I saw when I restarted my Apple TV subscription that they're doing a seven day free trial. So there you sure. go. Um, you know, find a way to watch this show. Uh, because I think that it's really good. And I'm going to tell you why over the next approximately 60 minutes. But first, I want to get into a little bit of the background about this TV show and how it came together. So to kick off on the background of Mythic Quest, I want to take us all back to the year of our collective lords, 2016. And a little movie production company called Ubisoft Film and Television was rounding out their sixth year in business. Yes, I did say Ubisoft. That what, would what, be what? <laughs> that is the same Ubisoft behind game franchises like Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, and Tom's Clancy. Is that is this Ubisoft as an award-winning motion picture starring uh, Michael Fassbender's Assassin's Creed's Ubisoft? Ooh, that's where I know Assassin's Creed from. Yeah, everyone's favorite <laughs> adaptation. <laughs> They began Ubisoft Motion Pictures in 2011, but when their first big project hit the small screen, they rebranded to film and television. 
That was with the release of Rabbids Invasion to Nickelodeon in 2013. Oh, now, that I had no that idea that a Rabbids TV show hit Nickelodeon ever. I mean, Ten years ago. I mean, it's just different minions. <laughs> yes, it is. it is. It super is. And that would have been the era. The, that would have been peak minions era. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. P- PME is how historians will refer mm-hmm. to that time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, back to 2016, for those of you who didn't read ahead, holiday holiday of 2016 (laughs) ushered in the first feature film of Ubisoft film and television, one that everyone was sure would be a massive franchise sparking hit, Assassin's Creed colon a Mike Fastbender joint. I didn't read ahead. I just I'm just really into the Assassin's Creed. I don't know who everyone is referring to in in this sentence, but it certainly wasn't the public. <laughs> here, here's here's a question. Um, yeah, has have any of you actually seen no. the Assassin's Creed movie? Matt has. I saw I it. Man, fucking knew it. Yes. I fucking I saw knew it. it. In don't, act, don't, don't act insulted. I knew there was going to be one head bob on this call. One I... fucking perverts. <laughs> <laughs> perverts, take the S off the end of that word. So here's one for you. I saw the Assassin's Creed movie in theaters for work uh, because the radio station I worked at paid me and two other jocks to go see it because we were trying to start a radio station podcast. It did not get off the ground, but I did see the Assassin's Creed movie in theaters for free. Have I seen it since then? Yeah, a couple of times. I don't know why. <laughs> you, you didn't have to tell on yeah. yourself like that, man. You could have taken that to your grave. So um, what you're saying is while that podcast didn't happen, you got to see this movie for free. So net gain. Got it. What it's what was the best movie you got to see on uh, the Blitz's dime for this podcast that didn't happen? Yeah, the Assassin's Creed movie, the only movie I ever got to see it's, on the Blitz. Oh, thing. okay, okay. Yeah. You know, it's it's a shame that your Michael Fassbender uh, podcast didn't launch, but, uh, you know, <laughs> there will be more Michael Fassbender movies to put in there. Todd, it's don't true. give it away that we're relaunching f- uh, the Fassbenders <laughs> as a Patreon, <laughs> as a Patreon oh, show. Yeah. That's so good. <laughs> Get Fassbent is how we'll sign off, everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just needed a beat to recover from Get Fast Bent. That was really good. <laughs> we got our really we got our good. next April Fools episode, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that happened, and in late 2017, someone at Ubisoft Film and Television thought, "Hey, maybe we should hire somebody to do this correctly." So they reached out to Ronald Mac McDonald, or for the uninitiated, Rob McElhaney of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia fame. Initially, McElhaney and his buddies were hesitant to commit to the series because nobody in their group was a gamer or really played many games at all or knew anything about the industry. And Ubisoft was looking to produce an original comedy about the games industry that also wasn't based on any existing IP. I'm surprised no one on the... It's always Sunny Crew is a big gamer, right? I was too. Hmm. Like usually, there's one. Yeah. yeah, I watched kind of a lot of like interviews with uh, cast and writers for this show, and it kept coming back to the fact that like 
nobody from the Sunny crew is a big video game person. Not a single one of them. And I think there's a difference between like, oh yeah, like playing, I played a lot of Halo in college to like, I am like a part of the industry and can name, you know, like the top, like the top three studios and understand like what the market is. Sure, but most shows these days do have like one person that most ensembles have one person that yeah. that ev- everyone else in the cast is like and that and and John goes home every night and yeah. plays CS:GO for 8 hours straight when we wrap shoot maybe that's like, maybe that's DeVito maybe Danny DeVito is DeVito one. Danny DeVito is famously big CS:GO guy <laughs> <laughs> So anyway to ease Rob McElhaney's hesitation to taking this job Ubisoft was like, hey, come up to the Montreal office. We'll show you around. And when he met the crew and the people working at Ubisoft in Montreal, he had this big change of heart. He said that he was inspired by the real people in the office who, while all working on different projects, were united by their love of building a game. I pulled this quote from an interview that I read with Rob McElhaney today. The team at Ubisoft have been an invaluable resource in terms of research and technical knowledge. The company created all the in-show graphics for the fictional game at its center, but also provided insight on the specific challenges of the industry. I'll talk about that fictional game a little more when we get to talking about the plot of the series, but I think what's important to know is that Ubisoft had a lot to do in the writing room and helped out a lot in that way, and it definitely shows in the series. They also Kyle. put Rob in the Assassin's Creed machine, and he got <laughs> to go. He got to go live his. He past. got to go be Michael Fassbender. Yeah, know? he got yeah. to go live his past ancestors' lives. Um, he, they, got, he got fastbent. He got fastbent. <laughs> <laughs> they sent Rob McElhaney back in time to be Michael Fassbender while he was making the yeah. Assassin's Creed movie, so they yeah. could show him it's, how cool it was. It's well, that's 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 the same. That's the same way that uh, it's method acting. That's the same yeah. way that uh, Val Kilmer learned how learned his role for uh, the Doors movie. <laughs> it's like how Jared Leto sent condoms to everyone when he was playing the Joker. Famously, yeah, was, one of his when he best was playing roles. Morbius. Not not just condoms, Todd, but like, like blood and like all yeah, sorts condoms of he put goop Fucking in. Piece of shit. Oh, yeah, God. Okay, cool. that's not at all what we're talking about. Enough of that. Anyway. <laughs> Wait, what if? <laughs> so we are at the inevitable point where Rob McElhaney brings in the rest of his buds. He brought on Charlie Day and Megan Gons. I, th- I think it's Gons. It could be Gans. Also of the Always Sunny writer's room to help create, write, and produce the series. And important note here that Charlie Day and Megan Gons are also not gamers i also Charlie, i do find that i find that more surprising because i know megan gans gans is also connected to community which mm-hmm. like everybody like that whole writing Seems team has to be a shit. bunch of fucking dorks but yeah whatever i mean pick your poison i guess right and Char- charlie wasn't luigi at this point either so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's so true just no connection to the gaming industry So Rob McElhaney, Charlie Day, Megan Gons, they operate under the name RCG Productions. Anyway, with RCG Productions on board with Ubisoft, it was time for casting. And this series 
has no right having the cast that it does. But that is the power of Rob McElhaney and his friends, I guess. So And and Apple's coffers funding your show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes, absolutely. Um a couple of things. Thing number one, no Imgur link for this episode. You can just pull up the IMDB page. That'll probably do it for you. Um, thing number two, this series stars Rob McElhaney alongside his always sunny castmate, David Hornsby, who always sunny fans will know as Cricket. He has all of his hair and fingers right. and teeth. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird to see him, like, showered. <laughs> also on the roster are Danny Pudi of Community Fame and F. Murray Abraham, who you, re- who you might remember as Antonio Salieri in 1984's Amadeus. He was Conchu in uh, Moon Knight, too. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. Hmm. Please? And, I mean, other among others. Yeah, nope. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, just those two credits. <laughs> that's, that's, that's actually it. That's it. Please allow me to also note here that none of these people are gamers. So McElhaney's co-star in the series is an Australian actress named Charlotte Nickdow. And the cast is rounded out by Amani Hakim, who was on Everybody Hates Chris, mm-hmm. Naomi Ekperigan who wrote for Broad City and maybe my favorite addition to the series as a whole, an actress named Jessie Enos, who had only really held smaller roles up until she was cast in Mythic Quest. Also, none of these people are gamers, and I hear what you're saying. We need a ringer, someone who actually knows the gaming industry, someone who... Someone who can answer all the silly questions the rest of the team asks, like, what's an MMORPG? A real question I heard one of the cast members ask on an interview that I watched today. Well, no one better than Ashley Birch, who you may know as the voices of Alloy from Horizon Zero Dawn and Forbidden West, Chloe from Life is Strange, and Mel in The Last of Us Part 2. Love her. Love nice. her so much. Yeah, I'd say that's a good it's a good ringer if none of the rest of your yeah. cast plays video games. Right? Yeah, doesn't it seem that way? I have a lot of fond memories of uh Hey Ash, what you playing uh, in the <laughs> early YouTube days. Yeah. It definitely like to pick a very specific thing of like what's Ashley Birch from? I mm-hmm. went with the things that felt like they made the most sense for the source material but i think there are oh, a lot yeah. of other I mean, places to know her from she ashley birch is like i would say one of the most successful voice actresses of this current generation comma not laura bailey division <laughs> yeah <laughs> right she kind of feels like the tara strong of the gaming world yeah that's i think that's accurate it it is really funny so i i watched the the first episode um and knowing that that um, I think Carol is the HR person. Yep. Knowing that that she wrote for Broad City is so good. Like, just incredibly good. And it's also kind of unbelievable that... Um, hang on, let me look her up again. I mean, you that, were, yeah, you, were, you weren't kidding. This is a stacked cast. Yeah, stacked. it's kind of unbelievable that Jesse Ennis wasn't really in anything prior to that. Because, again, the one episode I watched, 
the comedic delivery that she has is really, really good. Yeah, I mean, she is just an absolute gem in this whole series. Yeah. Um, she works off Danny Pudi a lot. They do a lot of duo scenes together and being a, a you know, first time in a big role actress going up against Danny Pudi has to be incredibly intimidating and she holds her own so well. And it's just, man, she's so funny. We'll get back to it when we talk a little bit more in the plot, but I want to get on to the publishing of this show in August of 2018. While the team was looking for a home for their show, New entrants to the streaming game, Apple, were on the hunt for content to flesh out their new Jason Sudeikis app. Fair. Apple took notice of Ubisoft signing the Always Sunny team and ordered their new show, Mythic Quest, colon, Raven's Banquet, direct to series for their new streaming service, Apple TV Plus, scheduled to launch in November of 2019. Couple of interesting points there. Point number one, they didn't even ask for a pilot. They were like, done, we're in. Here's a bunch of money, make it. Thing, they saw the list. Thing yeah. two. I mean, I mean from the producers, from the creators of Always Sunny is a sentence that carries a lot of weight. Yeah, and yeah. You, need con- you need content when you're launching a, a channel. You, yeah. You need content. Yeah. And then thing number two, they signed them a year before Apple TV even launched. So Mythic Quest wasn't available on Apple TV day one, but it was one of the earliest offerings on the platform. Two weeks before its season one premiere, Apple renewed Mythic Quest for season two. And when season two wrapped in summer of 21, Apple reordered the show for seasons three and four, the last of which we don't have a release date for yet, but could drop literally at any moment. Um, I would not be surprised if they were waiting for the SAG uh, strike to be done, but I think all of their other series, all of their other seasons have begun in the second week of November. So we're like Mm. right there. Um, my guess is as soon as that strike is done, we'll hear about mythic quest. I mean, they're, they're doing the thing early Netflix did like you find your, your hits Mm -hmm. and you, you give them what they want. Cause like. That's yeah. what is going to build your network. Yeah. This is a bit of a derailment, but is this the biggest thing on Apple TV now? Because Ted Lasso's done. Jon Stewart's done. Um, Severance might is Severance be? still going? Severance, or is that a... They're definitely going to do a second season. Of yeah. Severance. Okay. I think the morning show does the, uh, make numbers. Morning too. show. Yeah. yeah and the, and the, the Killers of the Flower Moon, the Scorsese movie, like, is... Oh, is a that big that's a big offer they produced it i don't know if it's there yet but like i think it's it. going there once it's out of theaters was white lotus hbo yeah what lotus was, was HBO. hbo yeah okay. uh excuse me it's max yeah, well max. it was it <laughs> was max. hbo when the yeah, first two true. seasons that's, came that's out <laughs> fair so anyway here we are three seasons in a fourth on the way a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, and plenty of people, myself included, justifying paying for Apple TV to watch this very, very good show. So, the last thing that I want to mention before I hop into plot is that this is a show just riddled with Easter eggs. They're just everywhere. 
you know, it's just Ubisoft and video games and pop culture just all over the place. And to try and tell you all of them would be maddening, like WandaVision levels of maddening. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it again. I did it two years, three years ago, and I'm never doing it again. We've all made that mistake once, Matt. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I wanted to point out a couple of, like, really fun things. There are a lot of inclusions of alloy just, like, popping up between scenes. One of the most interesting things that this show does is they use clips of an RPG game going from scene to scene that sort of recontextualize the interactions you just watched the characters have in a fantasy world. All of the clips they use are from Ubisoft game For Honor, which is a game that I did not play and didn't hear Mm -hmm. of until today, but I don't know if you guys are familiar with For Honor at all. It feels like an Andrew thing. thing. It's a big Twitch game. Got it. Cool. Is that the one where people can like it's it's massively multiplayer? Um, um, like like uh, Call of Duty battle. Oh, for, okay. yeah. For, it's yeah, yes. Yeah, or I'm thinking or I'm thinking Mountain Banner. It's it's a it's a Viking game. I can't remember if it's multiplayer or single player, but it's like mm-hmm. it's kind of like a Dark Soulsy kind of deal. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's Ubisoft's Dark Souls, but like <clears throat> Valhalla but not- and. Yeah, and there is there's a there's a little bit of a it's got like a Halo esque multiplayer thing going on. Well, it's it's I didn't realize it was a real game. I was just blown away that I was like, that's pretty incredible that they put the budget to that. But that makes more sense now. Yeah. So there are a lot of scenes in three seasons of Mythic Quest where we get to see the actual game Mythic Quest. All of hmm. that was built by Ubisoft developers for the show. But these like pre-rendered cutscenes that they use from moment to moment are all from For Honor, or at least that's what Reddit tells me. I'm mm-hmm. not familiar enough with For Honor to tell you what they all are. That is tech we haven't seen since 2007's Grandma's Boy. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I was waiting how long it would be before we got a Grandma's Boy reference. It was 30, right there. 30 wow. minutes in, Todd. Well that's done. Uh, so, so we would say... Uh, TTGB is 30 minutes. TTGB, 30 minutes. Yes, got absolutely. Um, yeah, so you've got all of those. There are a lot of other games that get mentioned. We'll talk down in like season three about how one character's arc is based on the uh, Final Fantasy character's arc, and it's like a whole Perfect. thing. Um, so yeah, tons and tons of Easter eggs. But again... I'm not going to go through and each and every other one of them. I will try to reference them as they come up. The other thing that we see a lot of Easter eggs for is something that is an in-universe thing. There is deep lore to the Mythic Quest universe. And we're going to get into that deep lore tastefully at the very end of this podcast, I promise. So... Before I jump into the plot here, because that's the next thing on my list, do you guys have any questions, any thoughts before we jump into the show itself? No, man, you sold me at Raven's Banquet. Like, that's it. That's all I needed. (laughs) It is a very rad name that they've done. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. So the first season and the show itself was billed as Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet. Mm 
they dropped the Ravens banquet for the next two seasons and they didn't add a third or they didn't add a second title to either of the seasons. So it's just uh, Mythic Quest after the first season. But what I'm going to do is go through some of the high level plot, high level plot points through this series. Like I said, season four is due to be released pretty much any time. But I'm going to spoil the shit out of this show. I'm not going to give you every little thing. If you listen to this, if you've never seen Mythic Quest before, I promise there will still be plenty of reason to watch it. But if you do want to go into it cold, if you don't want to hear plot points ahead of time, leave. Get out now. Pause. Come back when you're done. Because this is that last warning before I get into the plot of Mythic Quest. All right. Bye. We'll be here. Come back later. Man, if I really wanted to commit to the bit and drop the call, just... (laughs) (laughs) That'd be so good. Kyle will come back to the recording in three weeks. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's go ahead and hop into episode one, the pilot episode. So it opens with an introduction to Mythic Quest, the world's biggest MMORPG and the highest grossing game of all time with $11.6 billion in revenue. That is in comparison to in-universe games, Loaded Hazard with $8.6 billion, (laughs) DQD4 colon The Roscoe Chronicles at (laughs) $8.5 billion, and Gothic Kings at $8.1 billion. Now, in All case you names, were curious, I'm sure Ubisoft pulled like off of whiteboards around offices. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely they did. In case you were curious, because I was, World of Warcraft had grossed 11.32 billion dollars as of 2018. And it should go without saying here that Mythic Quest is the World of Warcraft of this world. If at any point you're confused as to what Mythic Quest is, just replace it with WoW. That's all it is. It's World of Warcraft. All right. So we get our little introduction to the game. We find out that it's actually a trailer that the team is watching because today is launch day of Mythic Quest colon Raven's Banquet, their first major expansion. We meet the main members of the team. So you've got David Brittlesby, played by David Hornsby, the executive producer of the game. Poppy Lee, the lead engineer, played by Charlotte Nickdow. Brad Bakshi, head of monetization, played by Danny Pudi. C.W. Longbottom, Nebula <laughs> Award winner... Win- Nebula award-winning author and head writer of Mythic Quest, played by F. Murray Abraham. Is, so he's like the old like uh, community theater type person? Yeah. 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 That's a pretty great way to sum it up. Yes. <laughs> Got it. And finally, Ian Grimm, creative director, head of Mythic Quest, and played by 
Rob McElhaney. It's Ian. It's, it's Ian, it's, not Ian. Yeah. And it oh sucks so hard. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's really funny. The first time you hear so I, I watch TV with subtitles because I'm 36. Yeah, the sure. first time you hear it, you cringe. You're like, Ian. Yeah. Huh. Oof. If you were curious, Ian Grimm is based on a real person. At least that's what people say. There's not really any guarantee because this guy isn't really part of, you know, gaming culture anymore after a lot of allegations came out about him. But if the name Jason Vandenberg means anything to you, it's the former creative director at Ubisoft. Mm. Oh, yeah. Little little self insert. A little bit. I'll, I'll give everybody a little time to Google. And I'll drop this Reddit link in the notes. Oh, I got his got his LinkedIn page first. Yeah, yeah. click on it. I don't want to do that. I don't. Why He's also the uh, lead oh, of, yeah. of For Honor. Which yeah. Is they, yeah. Now, cyclical. now the beard makes sense. You get it. You sure do yeah. get it. Oh. Yeah. And a friendly reminder to those listening, if you would like to see the links posted in these show notes or just the show notes themselves, you can gain access to that over at patreon.com slash debate this cast and join at the $10 tier. Anyway, back to this episode of Mythic Quest. We've met a bunch of team members, title card, and we join the team meeting where Poppy introduces her new addition to the game, the shovel. <laughs> Poppy Shovel can terraform in real time and she thinks it's rad but Ian feels like it needs a little bit more and Ian asks the rest of the team to get used to it Andrew you're gonna get it, a lot of it I, it just it it, sucks it's it every so time it, it's like a, it's like a sour note <laughs> Ian asks the team if he can have some time to noodle on the shovel because he's not ready to push it to live yet. We also, in this scene, meet David's new assistant, Joe, played by Jesse Enos, who is immediately drawn to Ian's superior masculine energy. Oh, it's <laughs> but it's so funny. Sure. Like, it's oh, it's, I know. It's, yeah, it. It knows the bit it's doing. Yes. Yeah. I, it, it, I, it, I, it I sucks so hard and is also so good. So in the same show that's making a bit out of the main character being I am. Right. Um, yeah, I get it. Joe later in the series describes herself as a conservative East Coastal elite. And I think that that's important to know now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Also, she's like 21 and it's perfect mm -hmm. anyway the rest of the mythic quest team come together to try and fix the shovel while poppy is saying it's fine this is where the phrase ttp is introduced and then for some reason never comes back into the show andrew or kyle because i know todd watched the episode would you like to guess what ttp stands for can you use it in a sentence yes the time to 
the TTP oh. of that shovel is incredibly low. I'm trying think, to think of what the P think, yeah. verb think, the P is. Think video games. Think sure. video time, game creators. Time to proc. Time to porn. Ooh, Kyle's close. close. <laughs> it's time to penis. You're time, time to, to okay. penis. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's good. That, so, that has big uh, end of Silicon Valley season one energy. Yeah. Yes. yes. If you yeah. know what I'm talking yes. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the team discusses the time to penis of the shovel and how low it will be. Uh, because That's funny. Is, yeah, okay. it's really do you funny. Want, do you want, do they want low time to penis or high time to penis well so that's a question <laughs> what a that, question <laughs> that's a complicated question quite frankly and it doesn't have a straightforward answer um it, it's it's whether you consider it a bug or a feature really the time to penis is like how long it will take somebody to make a penis with a thing so yeah. if you're making something that is intentionally to make penises you want a low ttp but if you're trying to make a fun shovel ideally High TTP. Matt, I want to just note that, like, do you know how I know you work in tech? Because you just gave that answer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that hurts. Anyway, um, they talk about how low the TTP of the shovel will be. And Poppy says she'll just code the game so that you can't dig dicks with it. (laughs) To prove how awesome the shovel is, Poppy decides to leak it to in-universe Mythic Quest streamer Pootie Shoe, a 14-year-old <laughs> shitbag who sucks. It, you when you watch this kid, you're like, no, this is just this is just a, a streamer. This is just a streamer. I hate him. I hate him so bad. Yeah, he sucks. Pootie Shoe confirms that the shovel sucks live on stream, noting that you can't even draw dicks with it because the game <laughs> won't let you. <laughs> This clears the path for Ian to turn it into a sweet mythic weapon that also terraforms. In typical pilot fashion, we meet the rest of the office, including Dana and Rachel, the games testers, played by Ashley. Oh, I lost her name. Uh, Let me find where I need to read from. Played by Ashley Birch and Amina Hakeem. Amini, Jesus Christ, Amini, Amani, fuck, thank you. It's been such a long day. Just want to take that clean. I do. We also meet Rachel and Dana, the testers, played by Ashley Birch and Amani Hakim, respectively, as well as Carol, the HR lady, played by Naomi Ekparrigan. And then this episode concludes with a new version of the shovel being launched to the game and quickly becoming the highlight of the expansion. This shows the team's ability to come together and problem solve as well as highlighting the necessity of Ian and Poppy's partnership. At the end of the episode, we watch live as Pootie Shoe gives Mythic Quest colon Raven's, Bu- Raven's Banquet Four out of four buttholes. That is the ranking <laughs> system yeah. they use. Good. It is not fully explained. It just happens. Oh, no, of course not. There's this incredible, incredible soundbite of David Hornsby going, ah, four buttholes. It's, <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, and that's episode one. So 
on to episode two. And what I'm going to tell you here is that basically the rest of season one is introducing us to these characters, this game studio, what happens and what it takes to keep Mythic Quest Raven's Banquet up and running. And that's kind of the story we follow for the first season. Sure. Episode two is entitled The Casino. Everyone's least favorite character, Pootie Shoe, brings up a live brings up on a live stream that Mythic Quest hasn't yet revealed the identity of the Masked Man, an NPC who was built up as integral to the story of the game. Ian and head writer CW say it's not time to unveil the Masked Man yet, but it's actually because they haven't figured out who it is. So they go to CW's office and listen to Pink Floyd and watch Star Wars about it and decide <laughs> to just rip off the plot of Star Wars. I love that. Good. When in doubt, rip off the plot of Star Wars. Brad, who I will remind you again, is the head of monetization, introduces Poppy and the team to the Casino, a new in-game microtransaction hub where Perfect. Ian where Ian has agreed to unveil the mask. You can just say Ian and we'll know. No, I can't. It's actually Ian. No, it's 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 real critical that you take that psychic damage every time he says it. Andrew. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like physically, I can't stop flinching. We're going to break you by the end of this episode. (laughs) Poppy and David are appalled by this. And they tell Brad that mythic quest doesn't need him. He leaves and hilarity ensues. The episode ends with the masked man being unveiled in the casino after Brad's return. The masked man is the white knight's father. Who's the white knight? Who cares? Stop asking. But he's the white knight's father. <laughs> yeah, that's that's cool. definitely the, the way to do the bit. Is mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Who's the who's this big character reveal related to another unknown character? Yep. Screw so that- yourself. That's that's some that's some MCU energy. There. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So that takes us to episode three of season one, one of my favorite episodes of the whole series. Episode three has two central issues. Issue number one: Poppy is launching a new game feature called Dinner Party, and no one cares. Issue number two: Mythic Quest is the most popular online game for Nazis. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That means we get to meet Sue in this episode. Sue is played by Caitlin McGee, and she is the Mythic Quest community manager who's locked in the basement with her own psychosis, and she begs the team to do something about the Nazis because her entire office is just a joke of the stack of paper that's always falling over, and every time somebody picks something up or something falls over, she just says, it's player feedback, don't look at that. (laughs) And it's hilarious. (laughs) And they have to like to see Joe, they have to take the elevator down to the basement where you have to have a special key card to get into. And Joe's office is just like a concrete block with no windows. And she has this like really sad uh, plant growth station on her filing cabinets. But the plants are all dead. It's it's excellent. It's very good. Anyway. Everyone has a different plan for solving the problem. David wants to ban all the Nazis. Poppy wants to use DP 
that'd be dinner party. And boy, let me tell you, the DP joke is very good to hold a peaceful <laughs> protest against the Nazis. And Ian wants to smoke out the Nazis by adding a bunch of Nazi dog whistles to the game's cosmetics. <laughs> oh, God. Sounds, I, sounds pretty true to life, if, if I had to guess. Yeah. The, the more I hear this, I'm definitely getting like Silicon Valley vibes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. There's, it feels, there's a lot of shared DNA there, which is great because I love that show. So great. Yeah. So I'm not going to spoil the ending and what they do about the Nazi problem. Uh, but again, this episode is a favorite of mine. And I would also say, while this short synopsis I've given is a little damning, this episode is kind of the start of maybe Ian isn't so terrible. Like maybe he is different, but not terrible sure so moving on to episode number four titled the convention pootie shoe announces he's done playing mythic quest so the team at least part of them comprised of brad ian poppy and dana she was one of the testers who we mentioned in episode one go to streamer con to find excellent their new streamer (laughs) Meanwhile, David is left in charge of the office and he is the top dog just in time for a girls who code camp to come visit the office building. And again, hilarity ensues. The thought of that being cricket is very good. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's really special. This episode ends with Dana becoming the new streamer for mythic quest because dana feels about mythic quest the way i do about overwatch nothing no reaction at all I, we let it be uh, man i need I'm sorry i got a i got work emails that just were yelling at me matt i don't part of the problem is i don't know how you feel about overwatch i know okay that's your fair. relationship to overwatch it's, it's complicated but what? i don't know your feelings <laughs> I guess then perhaps I will say Dana has the same relationship to Mythic Quest that I do to Overwatch um, and that it is a crippling and soul sucking addiction. OK, um, Dana mm-hmm. talks a lot about how, like, she comes to the office to play test the game for 10 hours a day and then goes home and doesn't get enough sleep at night because she stays up all night playing Mythic Quest at home. Like it's, we're one in the Oof. same her and I. All right. So that's episode four. And the only other thing I'll say about episode four is that while episode three gave us a little bit of that, hey, maybe Ian isn't such a terrible person. Episode four gives us a little bit of, hey, maybe Poppy sucks. I think Poppy sucks a little bit. Interesting. Yeah. So it's really fun the way that these two star so to speak in the show because i don't think that either one of them is the main character of the show and i'll get back to that way later episode five is entitled a dark quiet death it is a bottle episode we are we are going to talk about episode five at the very end of the plot and we're going to do it for a very specific reason but just remember, episode five, A Dark Quiet Death is a bottle episode. Awesome. All right. 
on to episode number six. We're back to the main story. This one's called Non-Player Character. While they were at StreamerCon in episode four, Poppy met the head of Cold Alliance Games, MQ's rival studio. Cold Alliance Games is the studio that stole Pootie Shoe from MQ. <laughs> and they also want to hire Poppy to be their new creative director. Definitely not a thin allegory to Blizzard. No. Definitely mm-hmm. not. Sure not isn't. Mm-hmm. A new coder named Paul, soon to be called Tall Paul, comes to <laughs> MQ and makes Ian feel less than. Hey, remember the masked man from a bunch of episodes ago? Well, some glitch has caused him to hand out high-tier loot for free and also occasionally kill players, neither of which are things he's supposed to be able to do. Hmm. Poppy really sees herself at Cold Alliance Games. Ian is super mean to Tall Paul. Ian. Ian is super mean to Tall Paul. Thank you, Kyle. (laughs) David discovers the masked man glitch is due to a hacker. Also, Dana starts her streaming career but has a very slow start. I like how integrated streaming is to this Mm because I feel like not only is gaming like kind of an untreaded category in this field, also streaming definitely. So too is streaming, yeah. 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 That's cool. And it's really interesting the way they showcase the relationships between streamers and games, for sure. sure. The last thing I'll say about episode number six is that because Dana is the new streamer, we get to meet the new tester. Now, through four episodes already, because remember, episode five is a bottle episode, we have seen Dana and Rachel, the two testers, start this sort of will they, won't they. Mm -hmm. There's definitely romantic chemistry between them. And so Dana leaves the tester's office and Rachel meets the new tester. His name is Lou. He is the most hateable character ever (laughs) conceived. Oh man. It's you can tell that Rob McElhaney, somebody who I think is particularly gifted in playing characters that suck in a very particular type of way, wrote a character and said, What if this character sucked in every way? Wouldn't that be fun? (laughs) Um, because he's incredible. He's just the worst. I hate Lou so bad. That's episode six. On to episode seven. This one's called Permadeath. Ian challenges the hacker who is controlling the masked man avatar to a PvP fight. If Ian wins, the masked man has to reveal himself. And if the masked man wins, Ian shuts down MQ or whatever, some high stakes thing. Poppy helps Ian train to defeat the masked man. Because Ian is terrible at his own game. They bond over this. Ian defeats the masked man, and the masked man is revealed to be Pootie Shoe. Good. Cool. Yeah. Sure. So good. Okay. All right. We're on to episode number eight. This one's called Brendan. Ian takes Poppy to a mysterious meeting. That meeting ends up being with Pootie Shoe, who is Ian's son. He was Ian's son the uh, whole time. They, they did right. a Star Wars. 
They did they a sure Star did. Wars in reference mm-hmm. to Star Wars. This show reminds me in some ways of like, you know, you take a picture and then you take a picture of you holding the picture and then you take another picture <laughs> yeah. of you holding the picture of you holding and the then, picture. And then you put that picture on a sweatshirt and then you take a picture of you wearing yeah. that sweatshirt mm-hmm. and, and repeat yeah. the process. I, yeah. I was just going to, before you revealed this this big nugget, I was going to comment that it feels like Pootie Shoe is a combination of PewDiePie and Ninja. Um, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Still get that vibe. And I thought what they were doing was like the whole like Ninja left Twitch and it was a big deal and like other games were, and he was like, I'm not playing Fortnite anymore. And other other studios were like trying to get him to play their game. Right. I thought that's what they were doing. Um, and then I was like, oh yeah, Ninja, who's only popular because he's famously, his dad works in Nintendo. Yep. Exactly. I just wanted to make that dad works in Nintendo oh, joke. Yeah, sure. There you go. I think PewDiePie <clears throat> is a great call out for sure, because I think that that is uh, a connection. The other That's one certainly would, what the name, like the name is referring mm-hmm. to for sure. The other one that I would put out there is somebody who is a little bit more Twitch and a little less YouTube, which is Dr. Disrespect. If you're familiar with Dr. Disrespect at all, um, Pootie Shoe has a lot of similarities. If you're not familiar with Dr. Disrespect, you're better for that. And I'm not. <laughs> not <laughs> so thanks. Yeah. Good job. Yep. I've never literally never heard the name Dr. Disrespect before. And your You're life is better for that, bother. Kyle. Yeah. Good. Right. Do Good. not bother. All right. So this whole thing happens where Ian meets up with his son, Brendan, who is actually Pootie Shoe. He takes Poppy with him for emotional support, but she has to stay in the car where she, of course, meets Ian's ex, Brendan's mom. We find out that Ian is a kind of shitty dad, but also just doesn't really know how to be a dad. We find out that Brendan really does suck and is just the worst. <laughs> like He's just <laughs> terrible. Um, and... Through this kind of bonding day between Ian and Poppy, Poppy goes through this whole up and down with the job offer at Cold Alliance Studios. At the end of episode seven, she had called and said, I'm in. I'll take the job. Around the midpoint of episode eight, she calls back and says, I'm sorry. I've changed my mind. I'm not going to take the job. Mythic Quest is my home. And then she spends some more time with Ian, decides she hates him again, calls Cold Alliance Studio back and was like, I'm so sorry about that last message. I'm so excited to start work on Monday. And they were like, we don't want to hire you anymore. Please don't call us. And now Poppy is stuck at Mythic Quest again. Also in episode eight, it's found out by the streaming community that Dana is actually an employee of Mythic Quest. And she mm. is mercilessly harassed. Frowned upon. Yeah. yeah. Like big, big it, faux pas in the, the streamer yeah. community. It's astroturfing right there. Yeah. I said up at the beginning of the episode that like, boy, do they treat the art department rough. And at the end of the day, it's for satire. And I get it. And I think this is another one of those moments where like they show the harassment that a streamer can go through and there's an air of satire to it but i don't think that it does enough to show 
quite how damaging that can be to a human being. Um, and I'll, I'll take the brief moment to say that's partially because Aya, friend of the show, World of Warcraft streamer, has dealt with a great deal of harassment online. And I yeah. know her personal experience. And there are a couple of moments in season one and only in season one when I feel like Mythic Quest is kind of getting its feet underneath it that I think they didn't quite hit the mark, that I feel like they could have done a little better, that I feel like the satire, while in good faith, didn't quite hit it. Um, this is one of those moments that I was like, man, I think what they're showing happening to Dana sucks a lot harder than they're playing it up to be. Um, I think, that's what I'll say yeah. about that. I think that's Fair. one of those things, though, that it's nearly impossible to satirize because online harassment es like has become a sport for for shitheads and like yeah that what they do what real life har harassers can do is going to outpace what writers and decent people are going to come up with as jokes before it go gets from writer's room to our TV screens. Like, like, however bad they can make harassment in the show, it's happened in real life worse because people are awful online. Like, because this is all a you know, it's all an an, an allegory and allusion to like um, GamerGate and. That was dreadful. Like a, a low point for everyone humanity. involved in video for humanity. Yeah. Like, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's too. It's like as a society, I don't think people recognize streaming as mm -hmm. a career yet, as a profession. Like, mm -hmm. it's still, it's still very much like people don't understand it. It seems, it sounds, it seems frivolous. It's kind of like held in the same regard as acting, whereas like because it's so desirable and like people think it seems so easy you're, like it doesn't you're feel lucky like a job just to be doing it you're and, lucky just and to be have doing to tolerate it, is, everything that comes at right. you because of it yeah right it's it's either people are super jealous they don't think they don't believe that people deserve the fame that they have or people just think it's so easy like all you need is just like to have the time and that's none of that's true mm -mm. i think we're getting better but like as stuff like this though is good for that regard to at least like to normalize it and to continue to like, it needs to be showcased as a profession. Um, hopefully we'll get there. But. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you know, like I said, there are a few moments in season one that I don't love. They come off a little hot with some suicide jokes in the second episode that I think were while mm. kind of funny in not the best taste, but sure. you know, I, I think that as they got their feet underneath them and figured out what they wanted the show to be, you see a lot of that go away pretty immediately. So that's episode eight. Moving on to episode nine, officially the finale episode of season one. This episode ties up some really good story arcs that have carried through from episode one. And I just don't want to spoil everybody's resolution. So you'll have to watch the show to get what happens in episode nine. But the important takeaways as we leave the season are that Ian has a ton of pull. Ian, Ian has a ton of, it's so funny when I'm just thinking about it, 
I say Ian when I read it. I yeah. say Ian. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's wrong. <laughs> it's, it's wrong and it's And I'm, I'm only correcting you to get Andrew's face every as time you should. he hears it. Yeah. Yeah. As I want you to do. He, he winces, audience. It, it's past cringe. He winces now. We're going to get Any- him to flinch by the end of the episode. <laughs> anyway, the important takeaways are that Ian has a ton of pull with the parent company in Montreal, often just referred to as Montreal. And Ian promotes Poppy to be co-creative director with him. It's a nice, happy ending, end of the season. And then COVID-19 happened. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So between season one and season two, we got two special episodes The first one is entitled Quarantine. It's exactly what you think it is, but it's very fun. I enjoyed it. Um, Is it the is it like a Zoom a Zoom call episode? It is a Zoom call episode. That's the they did the Parks and Rec thing. Yep. Yeah. What I did find out today as I was just like doing some research is that they had this idea, like the writers had this idea, and Rob McElhaney basically called Apple and said Apple TV. I would like to make an episode of the show that I do for you. I need you to send me 40 iPhones. And so they (laughs) sent the entire cast an iPhone to film the episode of Mythic Quest. Oh, yeah. I I mean, because it's then an ad for FaceTime as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Matt, my question is similarly, where is the, I assume, the Caitlin Olsen cameo in this? Not yet seen. Uh, oh, no Caitlin Olsen so far. Yeah. Surprising. I know yeah. it. I tell you what, no Charlie Day either, um, which is crazy. Yeah. And another, I was listening to, I listened to somebody else's review of the show um, and they pointed out that Rob McElhaney and Ryan Reynolds are like good buddies with Welcome to Rexham. Yeah. And there's been no Ryan Reynolds in this yet either. So there hmm. you go. Any Glenn Howerton? No Glenn Howerton either. Danny okay. DeVito. Nope. None of that. <laughs> You got you got cricket. You got Mac. What else you want? Um, Mm -hmm. All right. So that's quarantine. And then the special episode two was like, hey, it's our first episode back and being able to film in the same place. And it's an episode called Everlight. Everlight is a canonical holiday in Mythic Quest, the game that they also celebrate at the office. Fun. I would bet that there's probably a direct correlation to some World of Warcraft holiday that I do not know about. I'm sorry that I'm not that nerd, mm. but they are all some do that. Yeah. Someone yeah. is screaming at their phone right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Leave me a review and tell me about it. Anyway, um, it's this super fun LARP episode where they get the whole office together to do like LARP cage fights in the office for ever light supremacy um it's really really fun and they intersplice it with these really cool like D fantasy fights right where like cool. somebody will throw a red tennis ball and say fireball and then it'll like cut to them in a wizard's robe like casting a fireball nice. in a, a forest and it's very cool it's a high budget episode for sure but it's cool um it was a fun time so all the money they saved on the 40 iPhones episode they spent yeah. in Everlight. And that is season one of Mythic Quest. So we've got two more seasons to run through. 
And, spoiler alert, something gets canceled, but it's not the show. All that fun stuff and more coming at you right after this. Welcome to Composers in a Jukebox, a podcast that brings together a special breed of musicians in a conversation about their craft. Today we're taking a deep dive into the We are immensely excited to be chatting with Tinkin. Today So put your headphones on, relax, and enjoy being in the company of composers in a jukebox. Hello and welcome back to the Mythic Quest flavor text. We just wrapped up talking about season one. I want to go ahead and jump right into season two. But before I do, I'd love to get your thoughts. We talked about it a little bit off mic. Where are you at so far? You in? You watching it? What do you think? Wholesale in. Yeah, I'm, I'm buying what you're selling. I don't know if I'm like subscribing to Apple TV Plus right after we wrap, but like it's another another like counter in the bucket of reasons to get apple tv plus i love that yeah that's fair we can work with that all right before we dive in i have a question and it's possible i missed it and just need to be reminded what is the what's the is there a name of the fictional studio that makes mythic quest or is is it or is it just ubisoft put themselves in the show ubi hard No. <laughs> oh shit, that's really good. <laughs> Holy fuck. It's not. Fuck. That was so it's stupid. No, it's UB Hard is very good. UB Hard. Um no, uh it's Mythic Quest. Mythic Quest is the name of the studio. Mythic Quest is the name of the game. The parent company in Montreal does not have an official name, but the bit is that the parent company is Ubisoft and that sure. Ubisoft okay. is like paying the mythic quest studio okay yeah so let's jump into season two season two does not have a title of the season the way that raven's banquet did but i believe that the title of the first episode is also a perfect title for the season so i like to refer to it as season two colon titan's rift it's very audacious of you it is very audacious, <laughs> but I watched, the, I watched this show in three days, so I can say whatever I want. It feels like maybe they thought about making each major arc about an expansion. Yeah. Like, that's what it kind of feels like. And then maybe ditched it. I don't blame them. Yeah. I thought that, too, until I finished the third season. Hmm. By the time I finished the third season... I understood or I I was of the belief that like, yes, the first season was about the X-Pack, but the congruent seasons were never meant to be about expansions. Oh, sure. That that first season was story development and nothing And I don't think that's what Todd was saying necessarily, but I'm guessing like at the conception when they made the pilot, they were like, and every season will be named after an expansion. And then no, like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about what I said anymore. I want to talk about the abbreviation X pack. Do not like that. That's a thing. I, that's I, a thing. You, you yeah. have heard oh. me say that. I've, oh, we yeah. said then, X, then that's I've, been part I've, of the DT lexicon for years. Then yeah. I've purposely just a uh-huh and yeah, my way through it. Cause I do not know what you're talking about. You've blocked it out. 
I think I picked up the phrase X Pack from Andrew on this episode. Oh great. Yeah, I definitely I have more than once said I'm playing the new FF14 X Pack. Yeah, I've definitely heard X Pack before today. Before What is the 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 cost of just saying expansion? It's way less syllables. One. It's it feels like more. Likely also a uh, like typing thing. X Pack is yeah. Way, I want to move on from this. Expansion. I want to move on from this. I want to move on from this. Expansion. Eat a butt. Four, four butts to four, be exact. Four out of four butts. Four out of four butts. That's oh, I didn't from. even. I totally forgot to tell you guys. Back in the StreamerCon episode, we see Pooty Shoe give Cold Alliance his game four point five buttholes. Oh, that's so many buttholes. And, and then we get a good line from David Horns or from. Uh, I think it's I don't think it's from David Hornsby because he's not there. I think it's from um, Charlotte Nicodow, uh, Poppy Lee at the time, who's like half a butthole. What is half a butthole? Which is very funny. Anyway, Titans Rift. That's the name of the first episode of season two. So jumping in right off the bat, Ian, not Ian, I am. I am. Goes on his annual sabbatical, but Montreal needs info about the new expansion. And that leaves all the responsibility on Ian's new co-creative director, Poppy Lee. Elsewhere, Dana and Rachel kiss. Finally, we got 11 episodes of them not kissing and finally kiss. Good for them. Also, Joe... We remember Joe, David's assistant. She leaves David for Brad. Now, I will be very specific. There is no romantic relationship between any of these people, but the relationship that Joe has with David, Brad, and a few other characters is always referred to in the way of a romantic relationship, although it is mm. not. Um, so, it's, like, the, it's that weird. It's probably like that weird, like, poly polycule that like the ftc people were in does anyone know is that lo- set with anyone no you lost hey, me a poly try, try not ftc um what's the the he, he's the guy who just he he scammed all the crypto people oh oh, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Are, you, um, are you talking about um uh sam bankman freed i am talking yeah. about him yes. It was okay. part yeah. of SPF. Oh, I and know. It was, okay, you're talking and, was, and the, the 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 his business partner who was really into Harry Potter point. Yes. Yes. What is happening? The whole you guys, but like God. the you guys whole, don't listen uh, to as much behind the backs as we <laughs> yeah. do. T T H P P is uh, one hour and ten minutes. God, I hate yeah. this. <laughs> okay. Anyway, back to me and my thing. Um, <laughs> it's so, be not you. <laughs> Joe leaves David for Brad. Elsewhere, Poppy has a sex dream about Ian and is very upset about it. Understandable. That that sex dream inspires her to name the new, there I wrote it in the notes, Todd, X-Pac, Titan's Rift. Gross. And look how many letters, characters you saved not typing out expansion pack. It's just so clean. Also, Titan's Rift (laughs) is the best one of the best, like, nothing video game titles. Yeah, it's really it good. There's yeah. so much of that. There's yeah. so much, yeah. Um, 
did I even talk about how episode nine of season one is titled Blood Ocean? You I'm didn't, not sure and that I, I thought, did. And I, I thought you were. I, th- I think you, we all got distracted. I'm glad you brought it back, though. Yeah. yeah. It's very good. Uh, so what I'll say about episode one here before I move on is there's this really funny recurring bit of like Poppy's acting really weird all day because she's had this eye and sex dream. And every time somebody catches her being weird, the other person in the office goes, oh, you had the dream. And you what? No, I didn't. What do you mean? They're like, well, you had a you had a sex dream about Ian, right? We all do. It happens to all of us. None of us we like it. We all do. It's very good. <laughs> um, and then there's this whole bit between her and another character where uh, the other character is like, well, how was it? And Poppy's like, it was. He he told me I was bad at it. After does that happen to you? And she's like, no, I. I always make him come. What do you, mean? you didn't make him finish? <laughs> like, very wild. Anyway. Is, is Rob not in this first episode? Is he off he, shooting a season of Always Sunny or something? He's in the end of it. It does have filmed on a different day energy, for Cat. sure. Cat. Yeah. Yep. So that's episode one. Episode two, titled Grouchy Goat. Brad, head of monetization, Danny Pudi, Brad Bakshi, tasks Dana and Rachel, the two testers, and Joe, now Brad's assistant, with making a mobile game, which they attempt to do, but the game sucks and Brad scraps it. Big Diablo 4 vibes. Big Diablo 4 vibes. That game is (laughs) called Grouchy Goat. That's where the name of the episode comes from. Poppy and Ian try to work on the new expansion together, but discover that Poppy just has no charisma, just is like incapable of motivating people in any way at all. Because of that, Ian books Poppy to speak at a a women in gaming conference to help boost her confidence. And I don't want to give away the fun ending of the episode, but through this event, Poppy shows both Ian and also David that she's capable of being a leader. Does she start a cult? She does not start a cult. No. Okay. That would be something though. Mm-hmm. Does she that start a riot? That's oh the other God. Also not a riot, but that would okay. also be really good. Okay. Um, also in this episode, it's not super crucial to this part of the plot, but Ian begins to, or I'm sorry, Brad begins to prompt poppy to put a battle royale in the game good um, that comes back in episode three i like that i like that a lot <laughs> ian and poppy decide to work on their halves of the expansion separately joe helps cw if you don't remember cw that's f murray abraham the old guy deal with his old publishing company um she also demonstrates some of the most incredible physical comedy I've ever seen by use of ponytail. I tried to find a gif of it and I couldn't find a gif of the exact moment. But if you do watch this show, you will notice it is impossible not to because it is center frame. The movement of Joe's ponytail is so dramatic. It's like <laughs> it's like Lola Bunny in the first Space Jam levels of dramatic the way this ponytail like flips and flops. It's it's very funny. I 
was listening to an interview with the cast and somebody mentioned this moment. And I was like, I don't feel like I saw that because I watched this episode while I was doing a thousand other things because I power binged this. And I went back and watched it. And now it's all I can think about. It's the only thing I remember seeing from this whole show is the way her ponytail moved. So I just needed to get that out there. Hmm. Good. Also, in episode three, Brad again tries to get Poppy to put a battle royale mode in Mythic Quest. And Brad tries to get David to put himself on dating apps. So is is Brad's character just the like whatever Activision is doing that month? Brad's character. Brad is a chaos being. Brad is mm-hmm. chaotic evil, period. OK. And he is he is very outward and open about being chaotic evil. Um, he's a soul sucking capitalist and he likes to do things to sow chaos, really. Um, yeah. So whatever Blizzard, Activision Blizzard is doing that month. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. In so many words, for sure. It's it's that's a real expansion versus X pack kind of thing. But I feel like we said the same thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's episode three entitled hashtag yum yum. We move on to episode four, Breaking Bad, which I'm pretty sure was actually Breaking Brad. And the place that I read the episode names off of was wrong. But I haven't had a chance to go back and look. Anyway, I gotcha. We meet Brad's brother. Brad's brother's name is Zach. We also get some of Brad's backstory. Brad sucks. It is. Zach sucks. Yeah. Thank you. They have that on imdb yeah 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 i don't whatever i looked on i wrote it and looking at it back it seems wrong anyway brad sucks his brother zach sucks way harder you're not gonna get much about that in this episode just remember that it comes back so elsewhere in this episode poppy gets a porsche from corporate because mythic quest battle royale made like a jillion dollars and so montreal gives her a porsche However, Poppy doesn't know how to drive and Ian is really mad about it because he wants a Porsche. So he gets in to drive Poppy's Porsche, but Ian can't drive stick. And the only person in the office that can drive stick is Rachel, the tester, who every person in the office, the only thing they've said about her this whole series is that she's annoying. So Rachel, the annoying tester, has to drive Ian and Poppy's car home And that starts this kind of weird mentor-mentee relationship between Ian and Rachel, the annoying tester, that becomes important later. Hmm. Cool. Good. Episode five, please sign here. Hands down, one of the funniest, if not the funniest episodes of the series. Just chef's kiss. Carol, the HR lady, who we have had minimal interaction with this season destroys the entire team with a personality test perfect an hr mandated personality test that everybody had to sign their packet to prove that they took and this episode is the i think it's like eight characters it's all the main characters that we know in the office locked with carol the hr lady refusing to sign their packets and carol refusing to let them leave until they sign their packets good and it's incredible just like 
this would be the one if for some reason you wanted to watch one of 30 episodes sure. of Mythic Quest, this is the one you should watch. Absolutely. It's, it feels like it has the same energy of the Always Sunny episode when they go to therapy. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was thinking the where's my everybody's trying to find Annie's pen episode in community. Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm. Or the office episode where they all have to sign off uh, on Dwight's apology. Yes. Yeah. You got one, Kyle? Keep... Yeah. <laughs> nope. Took okay. took all the good ones. Took all the good ones. You guys get it. Anyway, at the end of the episode, Poppy and Ian get in a big fight. Ian tries to open up and Poppy is honestly kind of a bitch about it. And this is another moment where the show taps on the glass a little bit and says like, hey, maybe Ian doesn't suck and maybe Poppy does suck. And maybe both of these people are kind of bad. I I kind of like that. It, that's yeah. why I keep like going back to Silicon Valley. I, that That's one of the things like you mentioned at the top that like it's not like always sunny and that like it's the show is obvious that like, these are cartoonishly terrible people. But I also like I like when characters can be both likable and not great people. Yes. Like yeah. and be fallible, um, which which S- Silicon Valley does a really good job of like the main character. Richard is not like the most smart or best person. You know, he he is very fallible, but he's still likable. You still root for him, which I, I always I always appreciate that. I think that's good writing. Yeah, I totally agree. And it it gives it a really good um, level of humanity on a show that's very satirical and a little bit larger yeah. than life, um, which I really like. I heard Rob McElhaney say in an interview that I listened to today, like, I don't know how to write shows where the people don't hate each other. And I think <laughs> that that adds a really good level to everything. Yeah. yeah. So that's episode five on to episode six. This one's titled backstory has a <laughs> point at the end. It's like Max. <laughs> it's exactly like mm-hmm. Max. So this is the bottle episode of the season. We keep the trend going. We got a bottle up each season. This one is CW's backstory. CW, F. Murray Abraham, the head writer and Nebula award winning author, uh, CW Longbottom. So what we learn is that he came up as one of three young science fiction writers who are all junior editors together at a sci-fi magazine. I don't want to spoil too much of this episode. It is a very, very well done episode. I think all three of the bottle episodes are directed by Rob McElhaney, which I think is kind of cool. Hmm. Um, It's either Rob McElhaney or his sister because she directed a number of episodes as well. Um, But again, I don't want to spoil too much. What's worth noting here is that CW left on bad terms with those other two science fiction writers. And point two, CW may not be the writer that he's led everyone to believe that he is. Is, And this isn't from this episode. It's just like sparked because I've heard his name three times, like Beetlejuice. Is he a... um, (laughs) Is he a like George R. R. Martin insert? I don't think so. Okay. They he compares himself to Isaac Asimov. Well, that's sure. kind of his like thing. Um, 
I don't think okay. that there's a specific author that he is like tied to. Um, I don't honestly know the personalities of enough authors. Yeah. And also knowing the context of the show, don't want to mischaracterize him as the wrong author. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, I know I don't I couldn't name the like legit like the actual head writer of World of Warcraft, but I know games like that and like Bioware used to do this back in the day where they have like lore masters. Yeah. And yeah. Like, that is very much a thing. And I and games like this require an entire like team of lore masters because it's like all about consistency. Or you mm-hmm. could just be like World of Warcraft and be like, yeah, fuck it. Who cares? Uh <laughs> but like that so like I, I don't know. I, I think that's probably an amalgamation of like a bunch of Sure. Sure. Yeah. The timing was was right for him to be yeah. a George R. R. Martin yeah, type, yeah, yeah. which is why I asked, but like I I mean I get it. art imitates life. Yeah. 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 Um I the only the only pop culture reference that I can make confidently to tie CW to is Millie Vanilli. And that's all I got. Um, sure. Anyway. That is a pop culture reference. You're right. <laughs> So that takes us to episode seven. This one is entitled Peter. Now, I didn't mention it in episode six, but one of those three young science fiction writers, one of them might be named Peter. Ah. Could could be the same Mm. Peter. So this is a CW and Rachel the Annoying Tester, also known as Ashley Birch, bottle episode, which I found out from some research today they wrote largely to help keep F. Murray Abraham alive because everyone was really afraid of F. Murray Abraham getting COVID um, because this was still like peak COVID protocol and he's 50 years older than the rest of the cast. So everybody was really concerned and they wrote like this whole season, you only see him on a laptop filming from home until... This episode seven, where he is only with a small they, group of the where cast. they only had to um, ensure like six people didn't have COVID so they could film it. Yeah, exactly. It's going to blow your mind who one of those six people is if you hold on just a second. So CW reunites with one of those original three writers from the last episode. CW states that his goal is and I quote to fuck his wife. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you said he's going to be get, someone's going to be getting canceled soon does color this differently. Yep. Doesn't it? It sure, sure does. does. Yep. Um don't don't get too far ahead of me now. We got four episodes or I'm, I'm two episodes trying so hard. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so CW comes to meet up with his old buddy Peter to once again and I quote fuck his wife. Um, hey, one of those six people that they wanted to make sure didn't have COVID was William Hurt. William Hurt cameos in this episode. This episode that came out a year after Black Widow did. You take what you want from that. I'm trying to do the... William Hurt. The math math is not fantastic. I don't know what day William Hurt died, and I don't know what day they filmed this episode. Right. I don't think that they're that far apart. I don't think they are either. Well, hold on. 
remember he William died, Hurt died. He died William 20, Hurt 21. died of terminal prostate cancer. Yeah, and and he had been he had already been diagnosed for a long time. Right, he had already been sick. It had metastasized two years earlier. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not just trying to figure say out that, the, the recording and death date is what I'm thinking. Um, according to Wikipedia, he died March 13, 2022. 22. So when did these episodes come out? <laughs> summer of 21. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They I probably. Thought it was, so they filmed. Way different. They, they would have filmed in 2020. Yeah. My guess is. Mm-hmm. Well, my guess is they were probably. They were probably filming in early 21 because it was like right when if you guys remember right when the vaccine started hitting is when Hollywood was like, we're back. Here we go. Yeah. 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 So this is probably still like a year before he died for what it's worth. Okay. A year, a year ish, give or take a couple months. And I'll tell you, I think that he's really great in this episode. I think he does very well in this episode. Um, but that's all I'll say about it. I don't want to give away anything else. Well, that's a thing. These especially like Apple TV right now. Cause they're in there. Like we don't care what it costs. We're building the brand phase. Like that's one of the things Netflix did really well too, is getting these cameo roles and like getting big names to deliver a real performance in one episode. Yeah. Because they works. can come in and film for a day cash a big paycheck for a day's work but like in the grand scheme of the budget isn't more than the special effects they isn't more than what they spent on special effects in the LARP episode like yeah yeah so moving on here episode 8 titled Juice Box Ian presents his half of the expansion and then he has a heart attack Poppy presents her half of the expansion which is received well, but then crashes the entire game and causes Mythic Quest to uh, suffer a global outage. Also, her half of the expansion is determined to be impossible. To make the connection here, it's sort of like a No Man's Sky thing. She wants characters in the game, players in the game, to be able to change the environment, so build or terraform and have that show across all servers in real time. Mm. Got it. Yeah, that's yeah. very okay. open sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Good call. Good call. Shovel Thank shovel you. plus. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> shovel plus. <laughs> so episode eight ends with Brad's brother Zach tricking Joe into committing a felony and hilarity ensues. That is hilarious. Episode nine titled TBD. Same as the last finale episode. There's some great tie ups. I don't want to spoil them, but here are your takeaways for this season. Rachel and Dana quit Mythic Quest so that they can both go to school at slash in Berkeley. Dana wants to go learn to code at UC Berkeley. Rachel decides she wants to be a writer and gets into a writing school that's near Berkeley. Does this take place in the Bay Area? Is that the this yeah. Silicon Valley Bay Area? Yep. But they quit their job before Dana gets accepted into Berkeley, and she doesn't get accepted. So Mythic Quest pays for her to go to coding school while Rachel still goes to writing school in Berkeley. 
Elsewhere, Ion and Poppy decide they can't take Mythic Quest any further, and they leave the studio to start their own new studio. Lastly, Brad chooses to go to jail to improve his street cred. Good. <laughs> Perfect. No notes. Yep. Yeah, great. All right. Okay, and- let me ask this. Is Brad a... Is Brad a Martin Screlly type? Does that name mean anything to you? Martin Screlly does mean things to me. That's the pharma bro. Yeah. I don't I don't think so. I think he is mostly just like a just an avatar of of chaos. Yeah, like he's he's a big fan of battle passes. He's like a used battle pass salesman. That's what Brad Bakshi is. He's He's the I keep I hate to keep going back to Silicon Valley, but he's the the guy that runs Huli. I wish you guys watched Silicon Valley. I, I know so little of that <laughs> show. I, I, I yeah, same. Well, we're one person commissioning an episode away from me watching it. Anyway, let's get into season three, also known as the one without F. Murray Abraham, who was fired in late 2022. So, oh. as mentioned earlier. Somebody gets canceled. It isn't the show. And it's not CW, the character. It's F. Murray Abraham, the actor. Here's what I I read this first this first line in the article. Please do, Todd. So in the show notes, Matt has uh, linked the Vulture article talking about it. It says an exclusive story in Rolling Stone has revealed that the F and F. Murray Abraham stands for fuck, not this guy, too. <laughs> That's really good. Which, like, like to be clear, sexual harassment is not a joke, but dunking on the people that, that, that you know, push forward sexual harassment should be encouraged. No, that's, that's a very funny lead sentence. Good job, Rebecca Alter from Vulture. So here's what I will say. Um, the story goes, because, of course, all alleged, but, you know, eh. the story goes... F. Murray Abraham made some inappropriate jokes to a couple of cast members and was told to knock it off and was also told to basically keep his distance from one of the actresses on the show. He chose not to do those things. Mm -hmm. Sure. And then word got to Rob McElhaney who fired F. Murray Abraham. Here are the only the only things that I'll say because I think it's relevant to say so. F. Murray Abraham, again, like 40 years older than the rest of the cast, playing a character who is written to make the exact same jokes that he got fired for making. Is that an excuse? No. Fuck no. If you're told to leave people mm-hmm. alone and be cool, you do it. Period. End of story. However, I think that it's worth pointing that out in this situation. It's a real uh, Chevy Chase situation. Literally just going to say it's Mm -hmm. so wild that Chevy Chase did the exact same. Mm -hmm. This is 13 years later than the Chevy Chase, his character being an asshole. Yep. And then an old asshole. And then he got fired for being an old asshole. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So that's all I'm going to say about that. F. Murray Abraham out of the show. Episode one, Across the Universe. Poppy and Ian have left. 
David is in charge at Mythic Quest. Rachel and Dana doing a long distance thing. Poppy and Ian have left to start Grim Pop Studios and produce Poppy's expansion game, which was titled in the last season, Hera. Also, Grim Pop Studios is a fucking rad name. Yeah. So while they are in process, we join them as they are pitching their game to venture capitalists. And one of them offers $50 million for it. Poppy has a panic attack and turns him down. It's weird and out of place. Elsewhere, Brad gets on parole and is rehired at Mythic Quest as the janitor as part of Carol's new diversity and inclusion hiring practices. CW is killed off like Thelma and Louise. (laughs) (laughs) Also, we find out that Grim Pop is on the floor below Mythic Quest. Excellent. Uh, Surreal Michael Scott paper company. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Matt, I have one one more question about Brad. Yeah. And I don't... Have you watched Community through? Some, not all. Is... If this reference is lost on you, then don't worry about it. But is is this just Danny Pudi doing more evil Abed for? It's not far off. Like, it's okay. distinctly different. Sure. But I mean, but it's Danny Pudi being comically evil now. Yes. Like, we're, yeah. we've, we've abandoned reality. Like, <laughs> him getting hired back at the janitor is yeah. abandoning reality to me. And I mean, it's literally what they did with uh, with. Uh, with um, Chang, yeah, yeah, with with Chang, yeah, <laughs> yes, like that's one hundred percent what they did. Yep, yep, it sure is. So we move on to episode two of season three. This one called Partners. Poppy and Ian continue to struggle in their partnership. David and Joe, who is now back working with David, are suspicious of Brad, the new janitor. Hilarity ensues. Do they know it's the same Brad? Yes. Yes, they do know it's the same Brad. Rachel and Dana come back to visit the Mythic Quest office and try to bang on the couch in their old office of a company for whom they no longer work. Sure. Carol, the HR lady, then calls a meeting of everybody in the building and kicks all of the non-MQ people out of the office, which is pretty funny. And Ian and Dana bond over the metaverse which is an obnoxious <laughs> disgusting through line that bullet sucks without any context <laughs> probably with context there's a lot of metaverse and and crypto in uh, sure in season three in season three and it yeah. sucks um i don't don't love it very oh much. i'm reading ahead yikes yeah anyway on to episode three titled crushing it montreal calls mythic quest to tell david that they're doing a Mythic Quest movie. Dana and Ian disappear. People think they went to the desert for another weird retreat. Poppy continues to work on Hera and has a bit of a breakthrough, makes some progress. To celebrate that progress, Poppy, Rachel, the annoying tester, and Joe, David's assistant, go to brunch. And then Joe takes them to a gun range and it's wild. And again, we come back to like, let me remind you, Joe describes herself 
as a conservative eastern coastal elite and t- commits to that bit Wild. so hard. Good. Uh, it's it's excellent. Elsewhere, Carol and Brad team up. They're doing a thing. Sue, the community manager, begs David not to do a movie because fans hate adaptations. Brad convinces Carol that NFTs are the future. There it is. Of course he does. And Mm. that convinces Sue to move back to the basement. (laughs) (laughs) Ian. An appropriate response. Absolutely. Ian and Dana discovered David who has been locked inside of Grim Pop Studios all day, unable to find the door. Great. End of the episode. Episode four, the two Joes. Joe, David's assistant, meets hopeful star of the Mythic Quest movie, Kyle's choice for Bizarro, Joe Manganiello. Joe Manganiello is the stunt cast of this season. Yeah. He wants a franchise so bad. He does. Somebody give it to him. (laughs) I mean, he 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 had True Blood. He, he did, did. True Blood. He and wants a franchise a, so bad. He needs. He need, we need. Well, he needs to get. He needs to get in that Critical Role train. Is what yeah. He yeah. Well, he was. Well, he was in Critical Role. He had a cameo. Yeah. Okay. Well, he needs to get on one of those trains. He and he need, What he needs to do is he needs to get with um um. Superman. Henry Cavill. Cavill. He need, Henry Cavill. He and, he and Henry yeah. Cavill need to team up, and they need to do a Warhammer series. Well, they they already did team up because Joe Manganiello was in the post <laughs> in Snyder, scene Snyder of, cut. of the of Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice. I don't believe so. that. Uh, I don't think that ever existed. That was, was he theory. was he supposed to be like Death Deathstroke? Deathstroke. Yeah. Will Smith is Deadshot. Sh- we're not shut up. And I don't Andy want to talk about this. dead shot. Guys, stop. <laughs> Fucking stop. Um, no, what needs to happen is the two of them need to team up and do a Warhammer series and get Abria Iangar Iangar in there. Um, and the three of them need to just like do Warhammer content. And I would watch it until I die. Anyway, yeah. anyway. <laughs> okay, we move on. The only other thing I have to say about episode four, the two Joes, is that. Um, if there was one episode that I paid the least attention to, it was this one. I mean, it's fine. It's Joe Manganiello's first episode. He cameos throughout the season. Him and Joe riffing off each other is good. They do this whole bit where, like, Joe is speaking to Joe Manganiello, but she has David in her AirPod telling her what to say. Very funny. Very good. Good. Episode five, entitled Playpen. We, the audience have confirmed for us that Poppy doesn't know what fun is. Just doesn't know what fun is. Has never seen fun in her life. Um, Ian doesn't want the Mythic Quest movie to happen without him, so he goes upstairs to talk to David and Joe about it. While that's going on, Dana introduces Poppy to VR by way of a sandbox program called Playpen. Poppy built Playpen as a way to keep Dana busy because Dana's their uh, intern programmer at Grim Pop and Poppy basically just built a sandbox to keep her busy in and Dana turned it into a minigame shovelware thing. So they hang out in there and Dana helps Poppy believe that Playpen and not Hera is what she should be focusing on. 
Hmm. Rachel, Carol, and Brad insert a new revenue generator into the game without asking David. David gets pissed, but Montreal loves it and promotes Carol. And when when they promote Carol, it also opens up the head of monetization role because they just don't have one of those right now. And instead of taking his job back, Brad convinces Rachel formerly the annoying tester to now be the new annoying head of monetization. Episode six, the 12 hours of Christmas. It's a Christmas episode. What Good. do you want? Yay. David is a shitty boss, but Poppy and I and fix it. And Rachel makes like a million dollars in a day with the cosmetic and it's a big deal. Is it a horse armor reference? Uh, it's a, it's a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, um, uh, reference, which is okay. pretty kind much of? the same. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably like a, for, they're probably doing a Fortnite. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Episode seven. Actually, it's probably more, I think the, the most expensive wow thing I know is the Swift Spectral type, the Swift Spectral Tiger, which was mm. like a couple thousand dollars when it came out. It's like that sort of thing. Mm. Anyway. Cool. Episode seven is called um, Saurian, and it is an Ian and Poppy backstory bottle episode. So in 1987, Ian is pulled away from his single mother to live with his shitty dad, who is played by Sam Witwer, famous as Darth Maul in the Clone Wars series. Oh, Hmm. yeah. And in the... Star Wars. It's is it the same guy? Or is it it's not did, the did, same it's, He did a Star Wars? It's not the same guy as the prequel series, but he gotcha. is, I think, but he's, he's the voice Darth of the Maul and other things. Yeah. Gotcha. 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 Yeah. Um so that's Ian's backstory. In two thousand and one, Poppy plays Final Fantasy, but her mom wants her to play piano. <laughs> and that's her backstory, which Andrew which Final Fantasy was 2001? Uh, Final Fantasy 10, a.k.a. Final Fantasy X. For X. But X, not, the not X minus 2. Not X minus 2. That was 2002. Yeah, okay. cool. So that must be the one that they play in this. I didn't. I couldn't tell. But they talk a lot about Final Fantasy, like a lot. So that episode's cool. for you. Is it in 3D or is it in 2D? They don't show a ton of the gameplay. Yeah. Um, probably so because pay for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's in 3D. I don't know. I, really I wouldn't be know. surprised if, if Ubisoft just whipped up some legally distinct from Final Fantasy X uh, sure. images for that. Yeah, yeah, it definitely could have been. Um, so that's Ian in 1987, Poppy in 2001, and then in 2009... Ian speaks at MIT and meets Poppy, who is a student there, and they meet based on Ian's first game called Saurian, which is the title of the episode. There is the bottle. Is it Saurian? No. Saurian. <laughs> that was really good. That was really good. All right, fine. I wasn't going to spoil it, but I'm going to spoil it now. So in this episode, we hear Ian and his mother talk a bunch and then when his shitty dad comes to pick him up 
his grandpa says, like, you can't just take Ian away. And his shitty dad looks at grandpa and says, his name is Ian. Good. So you get Perfect. that. You get that all the way back in 1987. But it's, it's Ian now. Good. Anyway, on to episode eight to catch a mouse. Ian and Poppy's relationship devolves and Joe and Brad get back together. Episode nine entitled The Year of Phil. The (laughs) art department finally gets their comeuppance. Finally, after just getting mercilessly shit on for three episodes or for three seasons. It's terrible. Um, Also, we get like five minutes of Joe Manganiello and Rob McElhaney in mocap suits, which is very good. I'm a sucker for good. For a good mocap suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And no venture capitalists want to buy Playpen because Poppy has been blacklisted for turning down the $50 million mm. offer in episode yeah. one. And episode 10, the last episode of season three. You want to know what happens? Go watch it. Shit's not on me. Go figure it out yourself. And Love it, it sets up well for season four. I'm super excited. Uh, now I want to go all the way back to season one and I want to talk about the season one bottle episode. So season one bottle episode, it's episode five. It's titled dark, quiet death, and it is completely removed from the rest of the series. But in season two, our bottle ep is CW's backstory. In season three, our bottle ep is Ian and Poppy's backstory. Season one, I posture that the bottle ep is the backstory of the main character of this series, which is Mythic Quest Studios. This series isn't about the game. This, shut up, Kyle. It's like how New York is the main character of Friends. Let's keep going. It's exactly like how New York is the main character of Friends. Anyway. So, we are all the way back in the early 90s. They give a year. I don't remember. It's not super important. And we're in a like video rental store. A, a definitely a not, not blockbuster. A definitely a not blockbuster. Legally distinct from blockbuster. Yeah. yeah. Sure. We meet Doc, Jake Johnson of New Girl, and Fun. Bean, Good. Kristen Milioti, who is Tracy in like the last couple seasons of How I Met Your Mother. I didn't know her from anything. Yeah, she's been in a bunch of things. It's, she's one of those, like, you've probably seen her in something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's great. I like her a lot. So they meet at a legally not blockbuster and begin what becomes a partnership and a marriage as they connect over video games doc again jake johnson of new girl says that he is a game producer and he bumps into his you know new hot goth gf in legally not blockbuster and she's like i can't find any games that are cool enough for me and he's (laughs) like what about this game and she's like that game sounds like it sucks and he's like, what about this game? And she's like, that game sounds like it sucks. And he's like, what about this game? And she's like, that game sounds like it sucks. And he's like, why don't you just make your own games? And she's like, well, actually, I'm working on it. And he's like, oh, really? That's cool. Because like I'm a game producer. 
and I loved to uh, like I what game are you producing? And she's like, oh, you're a game producer. What games have you produced? And he's like, well, well, that first game that you said sounds like it sucks. That's my name on that game. That's <laughs> I did that game. <laughs> so it starts. There is the relationship and they become this power couple developing beans game called dark quiet death an indie early indie because it's the 90s game that absolutely explodes and becomes the biggest video game of all time and we watch the entire life cycle of dark quiet death from inception all the way through we find doc and bean now completely estranged from each other back in Legally Not Blockbuster, where they find Dark Quiet Death in the bargain bin. And through this bottle episode, we see sequel offers come around. We see arguments and splits between Doc and Bean as they discuss what the true meaning of the game is. We see them discuss how much to bend the knee when it comes to making money versus making the game you care about. We see them ultimately accept a movie offer and lose track of everything that their game was. We see Doc and Bean's relationship end. Both of them leave the company. And we again see them back in Legally Not Blockbusters. They find their game in the bargain bin. Wow. Their studio, hmm. which is... The only name in this whole series, cooler than all the other names they came up with, their indie horror studio is called Oubliette Studios, which is just so good. good. Yep, it's very good. Um, Oubliette Studios is in the Mythic Quest building, and they carve their initials into the like pillar at the building, which in episode four Ian's like hey poppy look at this and poppy's like what is it and he's like i don't know it's the people who were in here before us scratched their names in it and they went bankrupt but um yeah cool this bottle episode is truly the story like the the cautionary tale yeah to that's what Mythic i was gonna Quest, say the series mm-hmm. yeah um, the cautionary tale that no one knows Exactly. Yeah. Quest knows. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I br- cool. It's that's so really cool. cool. And I bring it back all the way at the end because I almost wish that this would have been like, you know, the very first episode or something, but there's no other way to like build it in than where it is. It never comes back, but throughout the whole series, you see all of these Easter eggs and moments where like when um Ian pitches his game to the studio in Montreal, mm-hmm. we learn that it's the same studio that Oubliette pitched to X number of years ago. And mm-hmm. in one season, like one episode, Ian is wearing an Oubliette shirt. Another guy wears a dark, mm-hmm. quiet death shirt. Yeah. If you remember in episode one, all the way back up at the top of the notes, when I said, also in universe games have grossed this much money 
And one of those games was Dark Quiet Death 4. DQD 4, The Roscoe ah, Chronicles. Yeah. The Roscoe Chronicles. Yeah. That mm. is really cool. And like, yeah. what a neat world building yes. thing that, that, that they had done. That's yeah. very I cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. I was already sold, but I am a thousand percent more sold. And that's the series, baby. As mentioned earlier, Mythic Quest has already been renewed for season four. It could drop literally any time, but who knows? Literally, so, while we were recording this, SAG-AFTRA settled. A de- they made a deal. Shut up. So, like, it could be announced before this episode. Are you, are, are you, are you, are you serious? serious? I am telling the truth. I am. Wow. Oh, my that God. Is... <laughs> That's wild. That's incredible. Yeah, so, you're not kidding. Like, so literally like, an hour after this. Wow. Is... Wow. 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 So, like. Odds are good if if the timeline if they stick the timeline you put out at the top like odds are good this might get announced before this episode airs. Yeah, man, that's insane. Uh, so to wrap it up here, I know we've gone a little long. I would love to get y'all's thoughts on Mythic Quest uh, or maybe any questions you have here at the end of the flavor text. Um, I like this. I mean, no, no questions, no notes. Um. Like I said, I already watched the first episode before we started, and I was, I was into it. Um, I like this. I'm gonna watch it. I I'm gonna sound like a broken record. I I wanna for the last time. I I do want to bring up Silicon Valley because I I I there are so many connections I, that I yeah. keep making to this, and I and I I want to say, if you liked this, Matt, please go watch Silicon Valley. But I will say for the reason why I'm gonna go watch this is. This sounds like this does to this is to 2020s tech as Silicon Valley was to 2010s tech. Um, and, and they're both doing a thing that I don't think anyone else is really doing in quite the same way, which is like Silicon Valley was such a mirror to the social media rise, the mo- the, the app rise that like the startup culture of the 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 barrier bay area startup culture to where this seems to be the other bookend to the to the tech boom which is like money doesn't flow like as you said three or four times like the vc funding is not coming like the the over the joke in silicon valley is like literally like they they built a peter Thiel like the main character is funded in season one by like a peter a peter Thiel type like he's based off peter Thiel. And and it's like the joke is constantly like they're funding crazy shit. The money flows. The money is is effortless. Like there's a whole, um, you know, like the so the character I was thinking of earlier is Gavin Belson, who is like kind of the 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 closest thing that the show has to an antagonist. He's like he created Huli, which is the Google an- analog. Got it. Got it. And and Huli is the cautionary tale in in Silicon Valley. It's like what happens when you are you're too unhinged with all the like the stuff, the nap yeah. pods and the, this stuff. I just, I really, there are so many parallels here that like, if you like one, you will like the other. And I'm, that's why I'm going to watch this. Silicon Valley has been on my list for a long time. And uh, I think that recommendation definitely bumps it up a little bit. So yeah, I'll report back whenever I get to it. This yeah. definitely. And I don't, I'm, I haven't watched the show like Andrew. I've, but I'm familiar with it. Definitely feels informed by, Silicon mm-hmm. Valley based on your episode uh, and, in, and informed by the informed by the I think it's like again like as somebody who has worked in tech for as long as they have 
I I think it's important to have these mirrors because like people need to know that like this is all fucking horse shit. It's all fucking horse shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like it is. Absolutely. And I, I think oh. especially as somebody who works in tech now and didn't work mm-hmm. in tech, you know, 10 years ago, like this show has moments that I'm like, wow, that's really good. And that's really satirical. It also has moments where I'm like, I don't think you really nailed quite how shitty that is. And mm-hmm. I think that's the nature of satire. I mean, it just be like that. But I do think that conscious effort was made in that. And I really do enjoy that a lot about this show. Um, give me a sec. There's something else that I wanted to say, and it's jumped out of my brain. Oh, shit. Um, leaving this all in. Nope, it's gone. Can't be important. Not coming back. Um, if I think of it, I'll yell it out in the middle of the outro. Uh, cool. Is that it? Any other thoughts on that? Um, I'll I'll f- throw in like not not again not running out and buying an Apple Plus Apple TV Plus subscription, but like this is high on my list for when we do pull that trigger. I just don't watch TV enough on my own to like spend 10 bucks to watch this mm-hmm. on its own Fair. but yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and hey we are sure as shit not sponsored by apple tv or this show so pirate it i don't care do what you want but um <laughs> we're not your dad we're not your dad we pirate it dad. in minecraft yeah allegedly mm. anyway allegedly. <laughs> allegedly pirate it watch it in fortnite <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a Roblox, a Roblox stream out there somewhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening to Debate This. You can follow along with the arguments on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Debate This Cast, or on our website at DebateThisCast.com. Merch, we have that. Right now, you can go on the internet and order things that say Debate This on them. All you need to do is head to our Redbubble page and give us your money. Does our Redbubble page have a cool and easy URL for us to read an audio ad? No, Still but no. you can find it with relative ease by going to www.debatethiscast.com and visiting the support the show page. Until next time, I'm Matt Cole. I'm Andrew Quest, Quest, Questadelphia. Henderson. <laughs> I'm Todd. We discovered a new avatar, a fastbender named Mike Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> that one and I'm Kyle ca- with psychic damage. It did. Well, I was um exa- I'm Kyle. I was exaggerating my laugh a little bit to come up with a joke for this and didn't Harper. <laughs> and we're saying thanks for debating with us. And if you think we're wrong, you can come fight us behind the swing sets, nerds.